Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the EFL Fantasy Podcast. Uh, my name is Angus, uh, Jamie is not with us this evening, but I am joined by the other more reliable uh, co-host of the podcast, Dan Ashby. Dan, how are you? Um, we'll hear about that soon. Um, I don't think I've ever got this lower score point. I'm looking through my team and um, there's a lot of ones. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so obviously we're going to sort of uh, round up game week eight, uh, go through all the games. We've had a couple of questions in, which we'll cover at the end. Um, we'll start off by going through uh, how our teams did. Um, I'll just do a quick, let me find it, a quick brief on the pod team. We got 71 points. Um, Malone scored seven, Zamora nine, Wallace 10. Swift five, Willock six. We had Mitrovic as captain, which was a 12 pointer. Brereton Diaz Blank as the vice captain, but we did have Victor's 11 as well. So 71 points. Um, and that team is up to 197th overall. Um, so we'll do our own um, game weeks. Do you want to get yours out of the way, Dan? Or Yeah, like I said, it is going to be very sweet. I've got 35 points. As you can imagine, that is a drastic red arrow. I'm down to 368. Um, Like I said, the highest player I got was Mitrovic, and he got six. So double that to 12 as he was my captain. Uh, Basically, I just picked a lot of players who didn't show up. Um, Robinson, uh, Grant, Bella only played half of the match. Um, Yeah, so it's just... Disaster. I'm looking at it and thinking I need an overhaul, but the problem is I've already used it. So yeah. that's going to be an eventful couple of weeks. See how I saw that out. Um, it's it's one of those weird ones as well where there's a massive sort of swing between us in terms of the sort of like moods about our weeks because obviously um, I'm sure a few people have seen on Twitter when I posted sort of my game week score. Um, I played the away days this week and it obviously went quite well for me. Um, scored 120 minus four, so 116 net. Um, big green arrow. Um, I just dropped down. I had dropped down in the last couple of game weeks into the 500s. Um, that was a game week rank of nine and I'm up to 133rd overall now. Um, you know, quite a few returners in there, which helped. I mean, you know, even the little bits from people like Townsend and Norrington Davies, but I mean, Moore, Zamora, Phillips, Gibbs White and Victor all hit double figures for me. Um, so that obviously made a big difference. Uh, Colan and Chong, the sort of let down there, obviously, with the sh- shock result for Birmingham. Uh, and then Brereton Diaz is blank and Mitrovic. Uh, was the one home player that I included, um, but he's still got a six-pointer. So uh, that all went quite well. So obviously I'm very happy with that. Sort of need to work out now what I'm going to do with the next boost, but obviously that one's gone quite well. And so I'm feeling sort of back in back in the hunt, so to speak. Um, but we'll move into the games. So the first game up, we're going by the order of the quest highlights. Uh, Dan's going to cover the home teams. I'm going to cover the away teams. Uh, so the first one we've got is... Derby against Stoke. So, Dan, if you want to start us off with, but we'll talk about Derby. 
Yeah, I think um, building up to the game, you got the news that um, Derby are going to be going into administration, so that's minus 12. Um, I believe it's at the end of the season. Yeah. Um, so it was quite interesting to see, like, if the players were going to be up for it, were they going to fight for Rooney? Um, but yeah, they, they seem to be doing what Derby have done pretty much all all season, being quite compact and um, well, they took the well, they took the lead. Um, great goal by Max Bird, scoring his first goal, assist Shinny. One of those assists where you basically about thirty yards out and he squares the ball to him, um, but it was a great screamer. And then um, another uh, shinny assist with Curtis Davis, like flicking the ball on. And I don't know where Bursic was going, but it's no minute. Um, and then the only other thing was Morrison somehow missed an open goal when he rounded the keeper. So, yeah, I'll, to be honest, I've been looking at, at them defensively. They've posted some really good defensive stats, Derby. Um, it's just we still don't know. They could literally sell their players tomorrow. Yeah, they could sell them and say, right, you're not playing until so and so a date, the January transfer window. So yeah, it's still a watch and see. But yeah, um, if, until January, they've just got to try and pick up as many points as possible. I think, and then they're going to get completely decimated. But um, yeah. I don't know about what you thought about Stoke, but I was a bit disappointed with them. Yeah, I mean, obviously with, with all of these, we're sort of going partially off the highlights, which can be misleading, but I didn't think Stoke were great. Um, at best, they were sort of like, I mean, they had more of the ball, but in terms of chances and everything, at best, they were on a par with Derby, which for a team looking to compete where they are looking to compete, this is the sort of game that you should you should be going to Derby. In their situation, I know it will probably have galvanised them a bit, but they should still be going to Derby and getting a result. Um, obviously, they had to make a couple, or they made they had to make one change. They made, I think, two changes. Um, Tom Ince came in at right wing back, which I'm not sure any of us saw coming. And uh, Abdallah Seema uh, came in to play up top with Sam Surridge. Um, obviously, like you say, the... the, the First point I had was Bursic on the second goal. Don't know where he's going. Like it sort of comes charging out when he's never going to get anywhere near it. Um, but in general, he's been quite good for them this season. So I, I wouldn't spend too much time like criticising him. 2-0, um, could have been 3-0, like you say. So they'll have some serious questions. Um, they did get a goal. Um, Derby trying to play out from the back didn't go well and we've we've seen a that's the one sort of that's the real Achilles heel for Derby it seems they they have been caught out a few times recently trying to play out from the back I know they they had real issues against Birmingham when they tried to play out from the back as well and Stoke capitalized uh worked it across well to to the right hand side where it was Tom Ince eventually uh there to to slot home uh past Rose um there's a couple of penalty shouts not for me uh personally um, I understand, particularly in a division where there is no VAR, you could easily see one of those given on another day, but they weren't really for me, and it felt a bit desperate, particularly I think it was Klukas, the second one, uh, felt a bit desperate to me. Um, so not necessarily the best day for, for Stoke. Um, 
you know, the big the big thing for them, particularly writing off the day, was you know Nick Powell back got half an hour off the bench as well. That's the other sort of really, that's the other real positive for them from that game. But all in all, not great. Um, but we'll move on to um, a game that I I know you have a lot to say on Dan, uh, which was uh, Luton three Swansea three. Um, so I'll let you take it away, starting on on Luton in particular. Yeah, so um, well, Luton went three 0 up in this game. Um, we set up five three two. The big news was Bell was out injured, so that was my transfer in, and he no showed, which is starting to be a, a normal occurrence for me. Um, but yeah, Swansea were playing um, how you would expect, passing around the back, and Luton were. Pressing so well, um, scored three goals. Uh, could have been more. Um, first goal was from a long throw in by Cornick. Uh, Naismith got the head down and a smart finish from Lou Berry to get his third goal of the season. Um, Cornick then pressed well again, um, got into the box and was fouled. Uh, Adebayo stepped up, uh, tucked it away, and then. The third goal was a really nice move. Uh, Naismith switched the, the ball um, to our right wing back, Bree, who uh, played the ball across goal when Adebayo was there to tuck it away. Um, Adebayo then, I don't think they showed it on the highlights, but Adebayo missed the one-on-one where he hit it just wide at the post. Um, second half was completely different. Um Am I going over Swansea or are you going to go over Swansea? Um, you can touch on Swansea and then I'll add what yeah. anything I have to add on them. That's yeah. fine. But, but basically, uh, Swansea made all, all their subs at half time. They brought on uh, Neacham, Piero, and Cabango. And they, in the first half, they were playing 3 4 2 1, but they, went, they moved, changed the 3 5 2. Um, and they started. The, uh, first, uh, second half pretty well, um, had a couple of chance, a couple of shots um, over the bar. And then Luton had a, a great chance where um, Adebayo played in Cornick and he was basically just had to beat the goalie and he hit it against the post. Um, and then obviously Swansea, through a, a number of reasons, um, We've got a lot of injuries at the minute, so we couldn't freshen up. So we we were just allowing them. To, we were dropping off so deep. Our press just wasn't working. Um, and eventually they, they were getting around the box and kept on having shots. Um, a couple of them were deflected. Um, the first one was Patterson's took two shot, uh, two deflections and went in. Um, and Meacham's... Although they're claiming as a worldie, it took a massive deflection of Penny's right at ass. So, um, and the third one, uh, good assist by um, Laird, who teed up Hero, who put it into the corner. So, yeah, all three shots were outside the box, and it's one of them where it's a bit unlucky. But yeah, it's it's really weird with Lou, and it like it's hard to gauge. We should have won this game. We should have beat Bristol City. 
we're for XG, we're the third best in the league going forward, only behind Fulham and West Brom. We've created the third most big chances. Uh, defensively, we're mid-table on XG and big chances as well. So, as I keep saying, when we get these players back, we've only got seven players out. It's, I think we're going to uh, do better. Um, I don't know if you want to add from a neutrals point of view, Angus, anything of what you saw? Um, I thought, uh, I mean, you know, particularly following along at real time, I couldn't sort of quite believe when it started turning. I mean, you sort of see 3 1, it's like, oh, okay, because it sounded like Luton were just sort of killing them. Um, and then you sort of get one, like, I mean, we were talking beforehand about it. And once you get to 3 2 in that sort of situation, you do sort of think, oh, the third could be coming here. Um, but, you know, it's, it's obviously unfortunate that it came in added time. I thought it was it was a bit strange. You know, I mean, the last couple of games, you know, the, all the reviews out of Swansea have been, you know, it wasn't great. But and Cham had looked great. He'd been their best player or whatever. He's out the team today. Perot has basically scored all the goals they've scored. He was out of the team. Um, not like, I mean, Luton still, you know, did what they did to them and everything. But I thought it was just a bit strange to sort of to, to make those changes. Um, you know, I guess in some ways, although he wasn't left with much choice, but at least Russell Martin didn't hang around, give it 15 minutes to change around or anything. He did at least make those changes at half time. Um, so I give him a small amount of credit for that. But I think it's one of those that's really unfortunate for, for Luton. I think like, obviously, you know, with, with the squad sort of thinning out, yes, Jones should have been more proactive with the substitutions looking at it. Um, you know, there were one or two changes he could have made earlier. I mean, you know, one of your three subs only being in the 90th minute when, when, when the tide's going against you, you need, I think you need to be a bit more proactive to change things, but it's tough with, the sort of injuries, illness, etc., that's hit Luton over the past couple of weeks, and even just the past couple of weeks. Like I know it's been a story throughout the season, but even just the last couple of weeks, with how how much of a problem it's been, I can understand that it becomes an issue. But I think you know, dealing with that and making sure that the team is still capable of getting results is part of Nathan Jones's job. So I would, from a neutral point of view, offer a, a small criticism of him there. Oh no, there was a lot of criticism. Um, yeah, he's in a hard boat, really. Yes. Yeah. It's like one of the subs he brought on was Clark, who's just coming back from injury. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's one of them where he he was right though. He he said if we get the fourth, then we win the game. But we shouldn't need the fourth. It's yeah. like so I don't know. Yeah, it's hard because a lot. To be honest, I think we should have more points, and so I believe when we get our players back, we're going to do, we're going to climb the table. But uh, like you said, I was uh, impressed with um, Piero and Nichan when they came on, and also Laird, that right wing back. Yeah, I know it, they're expensive for Swansea, but he he does look good. Yeah, the other thing we probably should cover because I think everyone has had their say on it is the Henry Lansbury-Ryan Manning incident. <laughs> I think the ref got it right. Like, yeah, 
I mean, I think I it's think. one of those that looks hilarious when you see it because, you know, with the contact that Lansbury makes, it, it look, yeah. I think it also looks worse than it is in that he's going to kick the ball. Manning nudges it away at just the perfect time to create that sort of almost spectacle. Um, I, think, I think obviously being there, you get the whole view of the yeah. pitch, what was happening. Um We'd already scored earlier on in the season with Lansbury doing the same thing against Barnsley, like doing yeah. it down the wing. And what he was trying, like, I think he knew he was there, but I think what he, he honestly did just mistime it. I think he was trying to hit the ball at the same time as Manning. And if that would have happened, it, like nothing yeah. would have happened. But I, I think the ref got it right. It's, it's a yellow for both. Yeah. It's, it's, and it's, also the, it's a the yellow, camera, but... Yeah, but the ca- the camera angle doesn't help. No, like the first you start watching the clip and you you don't even see the ball. Yeah, and yeah, then the last the one you can actually see like his Lansbury is looking at the ball. Yeah, to do so. I think it it's both yellow. Yeah, and I think it's 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 important to bear in mind when people are looking at it, particularly the first angle. It looks spectacular, and you're sort of like, yeah. oh my god, how's he not get set, got sent off? When you see the wider angle, obviously he, you know, he, he makes some significant contact. But you see, the only reason he does is because Manning pokes the ball away at the last minute. When Lansbury, if if Manning doesn't poke the ball away, Lansbury's kicking the ball there. So yeah, um, I just thought we should we should talk about it because everyone seems to be talking about it. Um, but move on to the next game, which is obviously a bit of a, a an upset. Uh, Fulham won. Reading 2. Uh, so, Dan, if you want to start us off talking about Fulham. Yeah, sure. So, um, Robinson and um, um, Robinson was in no car value. Um, this was a bit of a shock. Um, but Fulham still had the chance. Yeah. Uh, they hit the woodwork twice through Reed and Mitrovic. Uh, the goal did eventually come an assist by Mitro and new signing Mount scored. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's just one of these freak results, to be honest. Four big chances to two for Fulham. Um, Laria scores a good freak, uh, good curling shot. So, yeah, it's just frustrating, isn't it? Because Fulham should really be hammering red. Yeah. Um, and this is twice now where they should be in black. I'm not worried about it. It's just disappointing when you've got Mitrovic, Wilson, and Robinson, and it's just a complete disaster. But yeah, I don't think it's worth covering that much. We're not going to get rid of our Fulham players. No. And if you've got Swift, you're going to keep them. Yeah. I mean, I think it's I think it's that sort of thing with with this. You know, you watch the highlights on another day. Fulham score two, three, four. You know, Bobby Reed had chances. Mitrovic hit the bar. You know, they 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 could have on another day they they score multiple goals, um, and they're fine. Um, from a Reading point of view, I mean, obviously, they they got the first goal. It was well worked goal in transition. Swift plays it out to Ajaria on the left, who then cuts in, bends in a very good shot into the far corner. Um, and then you know, after riding their luck, they then get the second goal. Uh, it's a great touch to bring it down after Halilovic dinked it over the defence. Uh, 
great touch to bring it down from Ajaria and then finish. Um, you know, they did eventually concede the goal and I think there would still be concerns about them defensively, how many chances they're they're giving up, you know. I mean yes, they've the last two games they've only conceded one goal when before that they were averaging like, you know, three about three goals a game conceded, but yeah, I'd still be a little bit concerned. I mean, obviously, Swift owners, it's not a haul again, but you've got an assist. You know, Jari is potentially interesting, you know, if he's going to get a run in the team now. Um, but, you know, again, defensively, you're not looking at them. It's probably just Swift. But, um, you know, it's a, it's a three points on the board for them, which they would not have expected. And um, there was also an incredible late save from the keeper. Um, I think to deny Chalabar, um, where it's almost past him. Um, and I do think uh, that was one thing I did write down to sort of the couple of games he's been in the team. Southwood deserves credit. For, you know, guys just been sitting there, wouldn't have expected to play at all. Um, you know, Raphael punches a whiteboard, breaks his hand and he's thrust <laughs> into the action. And he's done quite well, actually. So um just thought he was worth mentioning as well not as a gaffer asset but just sort of like worthy of some praise for that also i think it's um good to mention that you guys didn't listen to owen or yeah uh, reading correspondent he, he thinks swift is playing more deeper yeah um so and he's massively overachieved his xg so he, he's still the talisman he's still going to be on everything but I, I wouldn't expect there to be quite as many goals yeah. coming in the future. Hopefully not anyway, as I don't have him. Yeah. I'm, I'm not rushing back, so I hope it goes to plan. <laughs> um, the next game we've got is um, Huddersfield nil Nottingham Forest 2. Um, so obviously after we last recorded, Chris Hewton was sacked. Um, but uh, we'll... Start off with you, Dad, talking about Huddersfield. I'm not sure how much there is to say about them. But... To be honest, I said a poor day for Huddersfield. Uh, Lee's best chance from a corner. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was quite disappointed for Huddersfield. I think they've built uh, a higher expectation this yeah. year. It looked like Forrest done quite well to, to stop the threats of Thomas and Chroma. Uh, so, yeah, I think everyone's here about Forrest. Yes. Um, so, obviously, Hewton had been sacked in, in, after the midweek game. It wasn't really a surprise. You know, that it just hadn't been good enough. Um, you could try and dress it up any number of ways, but they've got one point from seven games. Um, they had particularly a goal-scoring problem, which, you know, it wasn't like they were creating chances and not putting them away. They weren't even creating the chances. You know, the results based in every game basically ref accurately reflected the game. Um, there were report. There's reports that come that have come out afterwards that basically the players weren't even like that. Hutton had lost the players basically. Um, you know, he through things like, you know, over positivity when they were losing, you know, where, you know, the players start thinking that he doesn't know what he's on about and things like that. So um, it probably did need to be a change. It's worth noting that all the reports are that it will be Steve Cooper. Um, I'm not sure about that as a hire, but I'd also like to see it get over the line before I say it's going to be Steve Cooper. But um, it's... 
I'm interested. I'm surprised Steve Cooper wants that job. His yeah. stock is so high. He's got Swansea to the playoffs twice. Why doesn't he just wait a while? You never know. Maybe like a Sheffield United job comes available or or someone like that. I'm surprised he's rushing straight back into the job. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I thought he was yeah. going to sit there, like you, like you say, I thought he was going to sit there and be one of the main candidates sitting there when, say, a Premier League job came open, a lower-end Premier League job or, you know, a higher-up championship job or whatever. But I thought he was going to sit there and be available for one of those. But clearly he's seen something he likes at Nottingham Forest. Um, what that is <laughs> remains to be seen. But um, well, it's, it's the fact that they're a big club, in, yeah. isn't it? I think that's... If you can get Forest back, back to the Premier League... Uh, yeah, you I mean, you're, you're on that you're on that elite level, aren't you? If you can do that, you got to look at Leeds. Yeah, if you take them up, you basically become like a hero, don't you? So I'm not I'm not surprised. It's just there's a lot wrong with that side. Yeah, um, but in terms of this game, I mean, you know, it was a bright start from the very start with the, a brighter away kit, the or the bright away kit, the, the bright sort of yellow and orange away kit. <laughs> Um, but I mean, they, they, you know, they changed the system. Um, I mean, Stephen Reed, I doubt he's viewing one game as an audition for potential sort of manager jobs going forward, but it was quite interesting to see him immediately change things as the caretaker manager. They went back, they went to a sort of a three, four, two, one. Um, they abandoned the four, four, one, one, um, with the, the most sort of important to change. It felt like was no longer playing Lewis Graben as this weird num in this weird number ten role, um, but they went to a back three. They played Spence and Lowe as wing backs, uh, Yates and Garner in midfield, and then they had Johnson and Lolly up in support of Graben, which I think helped in terms of the goals. You know, you had players up in support of Lewis Graben. You had multiple players up the pitch on the attack, which whenever they got it, which I think helped. Um, obviously Graben, he had one chance which uh, which he couldn't take and then he did score a good header from uh, Brennan Johnson cross after a good piece of work down the right-hand side. Um, then felt like a little bit of fortune in the second goal. Lolly drives it across, looked like it took about three different deflections before ending up in the goal. It's been credited as no goal to Lee Nichols, the goalkeeper. Um, but it felt like at least a couple could have got that dubious honour. So um, I wouldn't necessarily read too much into the system change, particularly if Cooper's going to be in quite quickly, um, unless that's something that they've spoken to Cooper about beforehand and he said he wants it, that's what he's going to want to do, which could well be the case. We, you know, we've seen him play sort of back three a lot of the time at Swansea and everything. So it could be indicative. Uh, you would assume that Reed has spoken to Cooper if sort of talks are as far along as we're led to believe. Um but yeah I think it was it was a much more positive day and obviously when they're there on one point you know it's just you know they're still they're still bottom of the table but they've got that first win on the board. You know that yeah I mean I think uh, French, our forest correspondent, just talked about the magic of people playing in their correct positions, which, you know, it's amazing how much that helps. Um, but it would be interesting to see. But, you know, it's it, it's much more positive, like you say, an off day for Huddersfield as well. We'll see 
how much that sort of plays into it each way. Um, but you know, reason, reason, finally a reason to be positive for Forest fans, which you know is something for them to enjoy. You think last season that they were quite good defensive. Yeah. They've not been like terrible this season when you look at the numbers defensive. They have got low with I think Lowe's five million. That's a nice option if they yeah. can, if they continue playing wing backs and Cooper does come in. All you have to look at is what he did with to Bidwell and Roberts, and they'll be very good options. Yeah, um, and we've seen Jed Spence do well at Borough before. So you know if he's if he's going to be the wing back there, obviously we're not expecting him to suddenly turn into Connor Roberts, but. You know, he's a guy who's shown some ability going forward, so it might not be on that level, but he could still be a good asset then. Um, but we'll move on to the next game, which was QPR Bristol City. Um, I'm not sure how much there is to say, but um, I'll let you start with QPR. I think there was quite a lot uh, for QPR. It's weird, I I'm more positive about this performance than I have been the last few weeks. <laughs> um, so they, they they changed to two up front. They played yeah. Gray, Dykes, but they also had Willock and Chair in this team. Um, McCallum uh, continued that left wing back and he's now scored two in two. So I think that might be the end of Wallace. I think I think we all, all thought this might be the case that if McCallum got a number of games before yeah. he would open Wallace. Um, uh, Dykes hit the woodwork um, and missed a big chance. Just um, so yeah, I, I thought they they created four big chances in this match. Um, conceded two and they've been really been struggling over the last few weeks to create chances um, so yeah it's with, like I said I'm more encouraged by this performance than I have been for the others just because I think they probably definitely shouldn't have lost this mm. game if it wasn't for that last minute counter attack yeah they, they should have definitely got a point should have yeah. so yeah I'm, I'm more encouraged with QPR in a weird way about it yeah, no, I mean, I think, you know, you you look at the chances they had, and obviously speaking about it from the Bristol City side, one of the first things I was going to bring up was the performance of Daniel Bentley, um, who obviously, when you're talking about the chances QPR had, a big part of the reason they only had one goal from the game was Daniel Bentley's performance. Um, you know, he, he's showing himself, I mean, you know, he's he's been sort of like, you know, talked about quite a bit for, it feels like, for a few years, but he's really sort of show, shown himself to be sort of, you know, a good goalkeeper, particularly at this level, you know, one that you could probably see making a step up, but, you know, particularly today. He or seems yesterday. to make Klanger though, because yeah. he was out of fault for, we, we played uh, Bristol City in midweek and he done two or three brilliant saves and then the last minute he <laughs> made a mistake. So, I think he's either brilliant or he basically throws it in his own net. Yeah. So I think that's what stopped him making yes. the set up. Um, but they they made a, a few changes in this. I think they 
you know, I mean, a, a big one was sort of Tanner coming in, having an actual sort of right-sided defender come into the team, just offered a bit more balance to the team. Um, but in terms of in terms of the performance, it was, you know, it was about that front two again, uh, Feynman and Martin. I mean, they combined for the first goal. Um, it was played across well by Masengo, who's been playing in the su- sort of support role of the front two. Um, and Vyman, you know, it was a little bit behind him and I thought he did well rather than trying to force the issue. He, you know, just laid it off to Martin to have quite an easy, a relatively easy finish to to open the scoring for them. Um, yeah, they obviously they rode their luck during the game, talked about Bentley. Um, and then you get a counter-attack right at the end. And if you get someone like Naki Wells away, you've got a chance, uh, particularly late on in the game. Um, and he sort of ran clear and finished it well to to bag them the three points. You know, they've, they've definitely rode their luck in that game. Um, but they've got another three points on the board. Um, they're in the top half. Uh, <laughs> they, 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 you know, they've ridden their luck in a few games. And I think, you know, that what they'd really like is for a single home win. But, you know, if they're going to keep getting results on the road... It, it's going to tide them over because you would assume at some point that that sort of home win has to come. We've got Fulham next, so we know they'll beat them. Yeah. The Fulham, Fulham would just seem to lose to all the worst teams. So. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise you. I'm sure it wouldn't surprise a lot of Fulham fans if Bristol City yeah. turned around and beat Fulham. Um, but we'll we'll move on there. Obviously, a good win for Bristol City in the end. Um, and we'll talk about Preston against West Brom, um, which, you know, I actually found quite interesting. I also, you know, noticed that they showed quite a lot of highlights on Quest from this game. But um, I'm not if, sure why, though. I'm, no, it was a bit bizarre. Preston, but, uh, uh, Preston named the same side for the <laughs> fourth consecutive game. Uh, the goal was um, from Whiteman, assist. Uh, Reese, who seems to be involved in a lot of their goals, yeah. I think he's six million, um, and it took a massive deflection. Yeah. So I feel so bad for Preston because we say the same thing, but they're just going to be mid-table. Yeah. I don't really. I'm not a fan of any of their assets either. Um, but yeah, I think. Yeah, I don't think you can even target them either. You can't even no. tactically against them now. They've got um, like Bauer back in defence. So. Yeah. Yeah, I think we all want to hear West Brom and the absolute disaster. Yes. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, it feels like a bit of a bit of roulette at this point with um, with Ishmael, although a lot of the team sort of behind the attack is relatively settled at this point. Obviously, they've they've made the move, I think it was a couple of games ago, to move Connor Townsend to left centre-back with the issues they've got centre-back after the Dara O'Shea injury on international duty and Adam Reach at left wing-back. But, you know, Ajay and Bartley in the back three again, Furlong right wing-back, you know, Livermore and Mowat in midfield. It's always for us, which of the attackers are going to play? And, you know, particularly Carl and Grant seem to be the one you could depend on would start every game. He's not in the lineup. Neither is Callum Robinson. Grady Diangana, who certainly hasn't set the world alight, and that might be being kind to Grady Diangana's performances this season. Um, 
managed to start again. Um, but with Matt Phillips and Jordan Hugel coming into the team, um, I thought, you know, it was interesting. Um, it looked for a while like Hugel's most meaningful involvement was going to be um, his elbow that uh, ruined the nose of, I'm sorry, I can't remember which Preston player it was. I don't know if you uh, remember which play, Preston player it was, but um, that, that ruined their nose. I thought that was going to be his biggest involvement in the game. Um, you know, Everson made a few saves to deny the likes of, you know, sort of Dean Garner. Phillips then had a, a volley where he went very close, um, you know, but it wasn't like a lot of good chances. And then, you know, you had you had the goal just before half time, which was a, a Darnell Furlong long throw, wasn't really dealt with. And Phillips, who I think even just on the highlights looked like he was probably the brightest of the attackers. Um, you know, he was there to nod it in. Um, he also had an effort that hit the top of the net, I think, in the second half. Um, and then they had a chance where that got that they got to Hugel um, very late on in the game that you thought was going to be the winner, and he scuffed it straight at the keeper. So I don't think he necessarily did the best job of making a claim to stay in the team, but it depends what what Ishmael saw and what Ishmael liked from them. But it's it's more dropped points. Um, which it, there's been a few of them lately. Um, they're down to third now on goal difference, but it's the first time in a while I think they've been out of the top two. I mean, obviously we're only eight games in, but they've been in the top two for most of it, and they're out of it now, albeit only in third. But, you know, four wins and four draws. You know, they, they want to cut out some of those draws. Um, but it's tough. I mean, in gaffer terms with the attackers, I mean, you know, I had Townsend... I think Townsend is still viable. I don't think you necessarily need to sell him, even though he's gone to centre back. But if you if you have the luxury of moving him, I'm I would think about it. Uh, but Townsend, Furlong, again, perfectly viable. I've seen some people have Mowat. I think that's a perfectly good way to go, particularly with sort of the set pieces. And again, he's another one you know is going to play. Um, but the attackers, it's so tough at the moment. I mean, I had Phillips on my away days. And I was thrilled, A, that he scored, but I was just thrilled that he started and played more than 45 minutes, which is kind of the problem with your West Brom attackers at this point. I can just, surely he has to go back to what they were doing at the start of the season that was working. Yeah, I mean, I think... But, but like, I've got Robinson and Grant. I I can't keep them both. No. I've got to get players who are playing 90 minutes because it's really affecting my... Because I can't even captain him. Yeah. Because I don't know if they're going to start. And and that's oh. where, for me, Robinson, I think, is probably more... Probably easier, particularly with the number of people who are still on him, to hold and sort of give it another go. Carl and Grant, particularly because he's in one of those striker spots, he feels like the one that the people who have him... I think that number is going to go down and down now because if you have an unreliable striker just for playing, yeah, that's an issue in this game. Yeah, well, um, my plan trans. I'm just keeping it simple. I'm just going to go Grant as the language. And that's, yeah, that's pretty much what my transfer. Um, so yeah, 
Well, that leads us on quite nicely, actually, because the next game is Cardiff against Bournemouth. Um, the quest highlights were, were very thin on this game. Um, so we'll do our best to give you something. Uh, but Dan, if you want to start us off with talking about Cardiff. Not got much to say. NG and Cool will drop to the bench. Struggle to create chances. I think they only showed James Collins with a header who yeah. came on. I don't know. I don't know if this is this is a, something going forward to Cardiff without Giles. I think they're yeah. massively missing Giles. They've got they've got no pace in the team. That's the main problem. Um, yeah. But is it is it a good showing for Bournemouth who, who are gradually improving? It looks like week on week to the point where they're probably the most reliable team at the minute. Um, yeah, I don't know what you're going to say about Bournemouth. Yeah, I mean, obviously the highlights were quite light on them. Um, Ryan Christie had a chance early on. Um, interesting to note for this game with that chance. Ryan Christie was out on the right. David Brooks was dropped. Billing, who had dropped back into the midfield two in the last game, went back to the number 10 role. Um, I think it was Pearson came back in to pair with Lerma in midfield. Um, but, you know, the, the back four was the same again. And I think, you know, I brought in Zamora, which obviously went great for me on away days. Um, not trying to rub it in, Dan, because I know you sold him. Um, but I think I think it has made a difference as well. I mean, they, they've had some issues, but I think it's made a difference getting Gary Cahill in there. I think it's just that sort of steadying influence at the back. And Adam Smith coming back as well. So much experience with him. He's not necessarily the best player, although, you know, he played a key role in the goal, you know, give and go, drove forward, laid it off to Billing, who had a good shot. But I think there's a little bit more sort of experience. But I think Cahill's the big one. He's been good for Kelly as well. And they, they've really allowed Zamora to drive forward, who... You know, we saw less of it in this game, but, you know, it's been so good getting forward and supporting the attack. I mean, it's worth saying with this, you know, Anthony kept the shirt on the left again. Um, you know, Brian Christie's coming into the team now the last two games. So it seems like he's going to be a starter now. He's going to be in the first choice team. And Jaden Anthony is still keeping Jamal Lowe out of the team. So I think Jamal Lowe is going to have to be content with being a squad player for now. Now, squad player for Bournemouth is probably still better at this point than being at Swansea, but it won't necessarily have been what he envisaged. But, you know, when the guys like Anthony are playing that well, yes, it was a quieter game in this one, but when they're still playing that well, you know, you sort of just have to wait. And, you know, I mean, Brooks is the one that people have been talking about being left out for a while. We know the talent, but as we've said before, we know the talent, but, you know, you have to show it. You have to. You have to show. You have to show some form. You have to do something to contribute to the team. And David Brooks just wasn't doing enough. And you know Ryan Christie has already come in and made it look brighter. He's made it. Look, you know he's contributed more. He's he's you know looking more likely to make things happen than David Brooks was. You know I mean that shot that he popped up with on the highlights. That's more than you'd seen David Brooks pop up in on any of the highlight packages this season. Um, and I don't want to pile on David Brooks, but, you know, there's only so much you can do to hold on to your place, particularly when that there's that much attacking talent in the squad. Um, but like you say, I think there's so many ways to go with Bournemouth at this point that with reliability that I think, you know, it's an obvious place to look at the moment. I think what was interesting is, did they change 
bring Pearson in just because it was Cardiff? Did they think they had to win the midfield battle? Um, because we know Billings' record when he plays in, in that 10 role. Mm. I think it's, it's, I don't have it to hand, but I'm pretty sure it's very, very good. Yeah. I uh, I think there might be something to that, but I also think that particularly, you know, moving, shifting Christie as well and everything, I think that we may well have seen what will be Parker's first choice team now um, at the weekend. It remains to be seen, but my my personal opinion on it is there may have been an element of bringing Pearson back in for Cardiff, but I think that might be the first choice team now, uh, particularly, you know, with, with the way Brooks hasn't really contributed. You know, he's a, you know, he's a good player to have there, and I'm not saying that he'll do nothing this season, but, you know this is probably the best team they have at the moment that they've put out on the pitch at the weekend. Um, and yeah, in gaffer terms, I mean, you've mentioned Solanke. Um, I wouldn't necessarily go to Christie yet, but I, I'm a big fan of Ryan Christie and I think, you know, there will be returns for him. Billing, particularly if he's going to play that number 10, all over that. Um, Anthony, I'd still be a little bit worried because he's played well, but Jamal Lowe is still sitting there um and and the defense particularly zamora um so yeah there's there's lots of options there i think and i think they did well to blunt cardiff as well well yeah we, i think we were worried about the aerial threat yeah. well, uh, because especially after the live game against west brom that was a key weakness but as you say cahill's in the side uh, maybe that's why they wanted pearson in yeah, I mean, he's not he's not the tallest, but he'll win a header and billing. They had quite a lot of athletes or, or big players there. So, yeah, I'm, I'm quite liking Bourne at that minute. Yeah, I mean, it's just sort of looking ahead. I mean, they play, you know, they've got Luton next, then Peterborough, Sheffield United, Bristol City. So it's not a bad run at all to to have more of them in there, which I think is the big thing as well. Um, but we'll move on uh, to uh, the next game we have, which is Millwall against Coventry. Uh, so it's Millwall 1, Coventry 1. Uh, so, Dan, if you want to start us off with Millwall. Yeah, so Lennon played out position at right wing back. Um, Smith and Bradshaw were up front with uh, Jed Wallace. Uh, there was no Ojo or Afobe in the squad. Uh, goal from Savile, assist by Wallace. Um, and Millwall also had a disallowed goal, which was very close. Yeah. Uh, marginal, very marginal. Um, so, yeah, that's pretty much it. I think we know. Uh, I think Malone done well on bonus again. Like yeah. He always does. Um, and Wallace, if a goal scores, it's dead, dead Wallace, isn't it? So, I'm at the point where I just need players to play. I'm nearly yeah. bringing in. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think I he's, he's yeah, I think he's a good option. I mean, you know, we sort of look at him, we look at his price, you know. I, I know sort of we've spoken about this. I've spoken to Donna, our Millwall correspondent, about this, about getting over sort of any sort of Millwall bias and everything in terms of like you look at it and it's like, oh, they, but they play for Millwall. And it's like, but someone like Scott Malone, someone like Jed Wallace, you know, they're going to do well. Like, you know, Malone hoovers up the bonus like you say 
uh, goal for Millwall, you know Jed Wallace is likely to be involved. I wouldn't necessarily look wider than that, um, but I think those those two are guys that you can you can very much look at, like you say. Yeah, um, and also the fixtures are good. Yeah. Um, they've got Forest, Bristol City, Barnsley, Luton, uh, Sheffield United, Stoke, Huddersfield, Reading. So you'd probably say six out of eight games, probably fancy them. Yeah. To definitely not lose or, or have a chance of winning. And so, yeah, it's, it's not the craziest thing to bring in Malone and Wallace. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Just because they're guaranteed minutes, I've 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 got to start getting players out of the players. Yeah. Yeah, definitely on the radar. Yeah. Um, I'll go to Coventry then. So obviously, uh, one of the heroes for me, given that I brought him in for this game week, was our man Victor Jokeres. Um, another goal for him. Uh, The man's on fire. Um, interestingly, Waghorn, who he's had a very good partnership with this season was left out for this game um although i think part of that was that for a lot of them there is going to need to be some rest you know i think there's been some talk i think from robbins that jokarej is better able to sort of keep going through the games where waghorn i think he's a little bit older now he's not old but he's a little bit older so every so often he's going to need to miss a game and they've got guys like Matt Godden, and Tyler Walker who will be looking for minutes as well and who they will want to get into the game as well, which I think is is sort of important. It was Godden who got the start in this one. Todd Kane obviously came in at right wing back um, after Dabo's red card in the last game. Um, it was Jokeres who got the goal, like I say. He was found well by Hyam. Um, and then he had a very good finish after bringing it under control across the goal. Um like you say, there was the, the Millwall goal and the Millwall disallow goal, which I thought was very tight. And there was a, a good save, I think, from Moore in the second half to keep it at one all as well. Um, but yeah, Coventry, it's another point on the board. Um, I think that's the big thing for them. You know, they've they've gone to a difficult place to go. You know, that's the other thing we, we say every time with Millwall. Millwall away, difficult place to go. And they've come away with a point. And, you know... They're up there. They're up there, level on points with Fulham and West Brom. <laughs> you know, it's they're they're playing they're playing really well. And we we talked on the last pod about you know Coventry shifting from being sort of good value and like sort of in as your your value assets to just being good assets now. And I think we're seeing that again this weekend. Well, like I said, this is the second week in a row I've had to go to McFadden. Yeah, and he's got four points. I think he done better. I think he got a clean sheet last week. Six, well. I think it was last week. Yeah, yeah. He, he's not. I don't think he's going to do anything on bonus, but he's going to play. So yeah, for four, four point one, four point two minutes. Now, and the goalie, goalie, oh my word! I'm just picking every time. Yeah. I mean, he's he's got he's got a five pointer at the weekend. You know, he's he's got uh, I think. Half clean sheet and a save point. Um, you know he's going to get he's going to get beat by some, but it looks like if you know if if he's got a chance at a shot, you increasingly feel like he he's got a chance of stopping all of them. Like as, if he's given a chance, you think he's you increasingly think there's a decent chance he stops this. Um, which I think he has he gone up. 
I assume he's gone up in price. I assume he's not 4.0, but he's still in that range. Like he won't have gone up dramatically. Um, he's at 4.1 now. Yeah. Um, That's but, still far. Yeah. And like, you know, he's the second, like we're talking about it again, transitioning from being good value. He's the, he's the joint third highest scoring keeper in the game. And, you know, at 4.1, that's amazing. Um, if you're on him at 4. Point, since 4. Point, or from 4.0, great, wonderful. Um, you know, he's, he's joint with Ingram at Hull, only Kaminsky and Collins ahead. You know, it, it's, the, it's the sort of player that obviously it then enables you to do other things, but where you can have a good starting player at that, at that value. Um, and I'm, I'm increasingly getting it to the point where I'm like, you know, you look at some of their games, Peterborough, Luton, maybe not Fulham, even Blackburn, where it's like, you know, Preston, Derby, Hull, Swansea, where it's like seven of the next eight, I could see viably starting him. Yeah. Um, but we'll move on from them. Um, the next game we have got is Peterborough against Birmingham, which was obviously one of one of the biggest shocks of this week. Um Peterborough winning 3-0 um, so I think you're going to have the most to talk about in this one Dan so if you want to talk to us about Peterborough yeah so Peterborough um, it looks like they changed to a 4-3-3 um, and I'm guessing the biggest news was Jack Taylor was back uh, yeah. he'd been coming gradually getting minutes but he's a defensive mid who uh, was key for them getting promoted so he was back um, so they had Ben Bedley on the left, Joe Ward on the right, and Clark Harris back in the start at 11 up front. Um, great way to start scoring in the first minute. Um, takes a lot of pressure off you. Um, Clark Harris with another penalty, and uh, George Grant getting his first goal for the club with a Ben Bellet assist. I think we've mentioned it a few times, Peterborough's home records. Yeah. If they're going to stay up, it's going to be at home and it's a 3 nil win. Although big chances was two apiece, so maybe not, shouldn't really have been the 3 nil. Um, red card obviously helps as well. Um, but yeah, they're definitely a team to target when they're away from home, yeah. but at home, maybe not so much. So, yeah, yeah. so. I'm still not sure if I'd bring any in. I think I, if I was, I'd maybe go Dembele over Clark yeah. Harris. Um, but yeah, I'm just, just going to avoid him for the minute. Yeah, I mean, obviously from the from the Birmingham side, it's absolutely a day to forget in terms of you, you know, and it started, you know, it was right from the start, you know, conceding an own goal in the first minute. Um, the interesting thing um, to start with was obviously. Troy Deeney came into the starting lineup, and you know our speculation about it beforehand was wrong in that he came in to start with Utkovic, which you know maybe gave them some issues with mobility up top. I'm not sure that would necessarily be a partnership going forward. Um, I just think it affects what they're able to do. Um, and you know, like I say, it started going wrong from the start. Um, Gardner had come in. Um, I think Sunjic had had. Um, an issue with, I can't remember whether it's injury or illness, but he'd been a doubt, so he was only able to make the bench. Obviously, Gardner will now be missing after what was not a great tackle. Um, 
So I think he'll miss three games now. And then obviously for, for owners, it was that um, Bella was taken off at half time um, when they were behind, which, you know, obviously, like you were saying with the, with your players, I mean, you know, Bella's done so well this season. You're looking at it, Bella against Peterborough, great. You know, I was sat there with Colan and Chong against Peterborough and you're thinking, oh yeah, here we go, you know first minute own goal and then you know particularly particularly with Bella where like you know, particularly because he's been so key for them in terms of making things happen for him to be withdrawn at, at half time was quite a surprise as well um they also took off Roberts at half time I'm not sure people will have Roberts but um that probably didn't help um and then you know they, they then made the third change before the hour so they'd already so they'd had to keep changing it and then got the man sent off so they couldn't even sort of change things in terms of bringing on a midfielder because they'd already made their changes um when Gardner got sent off but yeah I think all in all yes they had a few chances but I think really for Birmingham you know it's just a day to forget and I wouldn't be too worried in gaffer terms if you're a Bella owner I think that was purely based on like needing to change it because of how badly the first half had gone for them. Um, particularly because they brought on Sunjic, who's sort of like a, a, a centre mid on for him, which shows that it was just like, you know, needing to change something. Um, but we'll move on from Birmingham to talk about Hull versus Sheffield United. So obviously, um, this was the early kickoff, Hull 1, Sheffield United 3. Um, so, Dan, if you want to start us off talking about Hull. Yeah, so Hull um, had their front four of Wilkes, uh, Lewis Potter, Monker and McGuinness all available. Uh, another big news was Honeyman was a bit, um, was on the bench. He did come on at half-time. He's, he was uh, key with assists last year. I think he was on every step. Yeah. Um, so getting him back, I'm guessing he's going to come in uh, eventually for Moncur as, as season progresses. Um, I think the first major talking point was, was it a red card for Greaves? Um, with the one-on-one, I think sometimes you've seen it given. Um, Ingram then saved the penalty from Billy Scarlett, so... Um, 4.5, he seems to be making yeah. a lot of saves anyway. Um, they then brought Art Smith, got the assist for the Lewis Potter goal. Um, but it's a bit too late in the day, really. Uh, I think the, the key thing was uh, probably defensively that they, they conceded all three goals from uh, crosses or corners. Um, yeah. If you can't defend corners or you are in serious trouble um, because teams like Millwall, um, West Brom, Cardiff, are yeah. going to be in a lot of trouble. So they've got to sort that out uh, quickly, otherwise they're going to give away a lot of cheap goals. Um, it's, a, it's a massive avoid for home. Yeah. Uh, before the game, they hadn't scored a goal for ages. Um, Big chances, two to three, but yeah, it's, I'm, I think I'm still targeting Hull and I'm not bringing in money. Yeah. Um, in terms of the, so I don't really have much to add on. In terms of the Sheffield United side of it, I mean, obviously, you know, 
it started off with a difficulty, I guess, in that, you know, they'd, they'd sort of made their changes to the lineup and then Sanderberg gets injured in the warm-up. Um, I haven't seen a, a diagnosis on sort of how bad that is, but um, Rian Brewster came into the team, which was interesting. Um, it seemed to be essentially a, a 4-2-3-1. Um, Brewster on the right came in on the right. Gibbs White played as the 10, although Gibbs White seemed to move, drift quite a bit, which I think you know helped them in a lot of ways, particularly as Brewster would look to go into, into the sort of central areas, particularly up top, and Gibbs White would drift to the right, and that's where the sort of first goal came from. He, he sort of got into the right-hand channel, worked it well with Balduck. It's a great cross from him. Um, and Billy Sharp found space right between the two centre-backs to, to open the scoring, which, like you say, particularly with Billy Sharp scoring a header, particularly sort of in between the two centre-backs, you'd think one of them would be up against him. And so that's obviously a concern for Hull, but, you know, good for Sheffield United. Um, they, had, they had another chance where... Fleck drove forward, gave the ball to Gibbs White, and he forced a decent low save out of Ingram as well. Um, on the penalty, I'm fine with a yellow. Um, I think unless you're certain, I'd always rather refs erred to giving yellows, so I'm fine with the yellow there. Um, I thought it wasn't actually a bad penalty from Sharp. I thought it was a good save. Um, you know, you'd want it maybe to be a bit better, but I thought you know, it was quite sort of into the corner, so I thought it's actually quite a decent save from Ingram. Um, I saw some argument, but it's definitely a penalty. Um, anyone who's arguing that it wasn't, it, it was a penalty. Um, there was then a really, the, the second goal, the first Egan goal, obviously that the headline was anyone who had John Egan, particularly a few who had John Egan on their away days. They were the real winners here. Um <laughs> The first one, it was really well worked in terms of in the middle where they had, I think it was, was it Sharp? Stand just enough in Wilkes' way to um, get Egan some space. Um, and then he got had a really good header from Hurahan's delivery, which was a good one. Although even with working that space, John Egan was about eight yards out in the middle of the area. And yes, he lost Wilkes, but there was no one else like in the vicinity where that would be a little bit concerning and then Gibbs White was denied by Ingram again, uh, but from the corner, uh, Hurahan, they they were so preoccupied with trying to stay tight to John Egan. And even despite that, they managed to completely lose him. And he darted in at the near post and uh, got his second goal. Uh, I think there was a deflection on that. Um, obviously conceded, which wouldn't have been great. And... Another tight offside in terms of the Tyler Smith disallowed goal, which, you know, shows that there's still a little bit of concern for Sheffield United at the back. But I think, you know, the real story is going forward. We've talked before about Billy Sharp. I wouldn't necessarily advise buying Billy Sharp, even though the returns keep coming from him. Um, but, you know, it's it's that reliability thing. I think, you know, he's he's reliable for now. But at any given moment, particularly, you know, Mousset's due back soon. McGoldrick's due back soon. You know, does that mean that Billy Sharp suddenly starts getting rotated as well? There's an issue there. I think 
Gibbs White seems to be the one that's going to play. I sympathise with people like you who went on and DI both in terms of the not the lack of return in the last game and then being out today. I think Gibbs White, I think Hurahan as well. Um, a word of warning for Norrington Davies owners. Ender Stevens is apparently not far away. Um, so it may well be that the end is close for, for Norrington Davies in terms of his run in the first team. Um, but I think, you know, we've seen an improvement from them, which was the big thing from early in the season where we were like, we were not talking about relegation, but, you know, we were sort of like, they're just going to be nothing this season. And they've they've at least improved from that uh, with another win here. Um, but yeah, Gibbs White, Hurahan, sharp if you really want to go there. Um, I think... If, you, if you're already on someone like Baldock or even Egan, I wouldn't necessarily be rushing to sell. Um, I think Robin Olsen being in goal will help them as well. That's the other thing with the defense uh, defenders. It would just be Norrington Davies that I'd be worried about um, at this point. Um, but we will move on to Middlesbrough-Blackpool. Um, another sort of interesting result i guess uh with blackpool winning this 2-1 um so dan if you want to start us off with middlesbrough yeah so middlesbrough played 4-2-3-1 uh the front four was tavernier crooks hernandez from the left and spora um goal was tavernier assist fry uh, they also hit the bar a couple of times uh through spora and martin payroo when he came on um, yeah, I, I don't know what to make of this, but we said this last week. Like, I think they're just settling in. They've signed a lot of new players, need a bit of time to gel. Um, starting to think they might start getting pressure on Warnock now. He's changed the squad so much, and you wouldn't expect him to lose the Blackpool. No. You expect him to, to somehow sneak this, but yeah. Uh, I, I think they're okay defensively, Middlesbrough. I think they'll be quite good, but yeah, I don't think there's anyone to go from at the minute. So, yeah, I'd move on to Blackpool. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think this is the second time in in a relatively short span that Blackpool have won a game we didn't expect. Um, obviously, after the Fulham game, which was the real headline, but. They've got the win here, went 1-0 behind. You know, Spora hit the, the, the woodwork and have rode their luck a little bit. Um, but then they, they started coming back. Um, Lavery hit the post in the second half after Lumley had dropped the ball. Uh, you know, not the most encouraging moment. I know you've been quite down on Joe Lumley. Uh, oh, not not like the most you. encouraging moment. Um, and then... The, the big centre-back, um, Ek Pateta, um, particularly after, as they, as they said on the, the highlight show, where he'd had a big error for one of the goals in, in midweek, a nice moment of redemption for him. It was a very nice turn and finish, particularly when you when you factor in he's a centre-back, it was a very nice turn and finish um, to, to equalise. And then, you know, one of those where it can go anywhere. Unfortunately for Grant Hall, trying to defend across, he's put, he's put it in the back of his own net. Um, you know, but again, that's that's a 
you know, poorly defended set piece. You know, he's he's not got a clean a clean clearance on it. And I think that there's there are some, I would guess there would be some concerns from the borough side of things. You know, the the results aren't really there. There's only so long you can use the excuse of you know bedding in new players. They've you know they've won two out of eight. They you know the the lineup seems to change every game. I know they've got a couple of sort of important players out for them in. Uh, McNair and Bowler, but you know, again, is I mean, we we know that Neil Warnock sort of screams at officials and everything, but some of the outbursts we're seeing is this a reflection of some sort of pressure he's feeling? I don't know, but um, it's it's not great for Middlesbrough. Blackpool, you're not really going to go there, I think is the big thing. Uh, I'd say increasingly, like I know they've, they've taken some heavy defeats. Someone like Maxwell is not the worst option, but, you know, we've gone over the likes of more, you know, if you, even if you're looking at some of the worst teams, you'd go Ingram at Hull over him. Um, but he's, he's done decently, but you're not really going to be looking at Blackpool players as Gaffer It's even though they've won two of the last three, you're not, really going to be going there I don't think um, the other big thing um, I have lost it now so I don't know whether he was back in the squad but at the weekend I think he was Mitchell um, our out of position hero because um, the big the big news for them has been that he is back um, sort of in training I don't uh, think he was. No, so he didn't make the squad, but he he is back in training and he he will be back imminently. Um, so for anyone who's still got him somehow, you might you might have an actual player on your hands at some point soon. But no, I don't think we're looking at Blackpool. Uh, but another you know good win for them, two in three I think that is. So good for them. Um, so we'll go on to the last game. Um, which is Barnsley nil, Blackburn nil. I'm not sure how much there is to say on this game. Uh, Dan, do you have much to say about Barnsley? Just um, a couple of weird lineups and positioning. They're playing Britain's centre mid, civic right wing back. Um, yeah, I've just found that a bit weird. Yeah. Uh, I'm guessing the, the big chance of Barnsley was a uh, Mr. One on One. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, I'm quite down on Barnsley. They've now conceded more big chances than Reading, the most in the league now, Barnsley. So I'm surprised uh, Brewer and Diaz didn't. I'm surprised Blackburn didn't score, to be honest. But um, yeah, I think I'm definitely looking to target Barnsley if I can. Catch yeah. Yeah, I mean, Blackburn, not much to say. I mean, Brereton Diaz had the one chance um, that would, Collins did well to get out and sort of smother and deny him. Um, Kaminsky made a couple of saves. Um, you know, again, gaffer-wise, you're really looking at Brereton Diaz. I mean, you know, Perveda came back into the team in this one, but the, you know, maybe Dolan. Um, but as I said on the last pod, I think, Brereton Diaz, maybe Pickering. That's about it for me from Blackburn point of view. Um, so that's all the games. So we'll just go through the sort of few questions we've got. Um, some will be quite quick. Some will require slightly more um, 
lengthy answers, I guess. Um, we'll start with uh, Ron Mukherjee at FPL underscore Ronnie's question. He said, is it time to get rid of Robinson? West Brom attackers are misfiring and too much rotation as well. Um, so, Dan, given that you've got Robinson, I'll let you take this question first. Do you think it's time for people to get rid of Robinson? Um, well, I've got Grant and Robinson. Uh, my move will be Grant to Solanke, just because Solanke plays games. He's playing. Yeah. I, and as I said, I need players who are playing games at the minute. Um, Robinson, I think, yeah. Like, you just can't guarantee he's going to play now. And if you've got a player who's going to be 9 million and you're not going to captain him, then there's no point. And they are probably still the two best or three best teams in the league. And you yeah. don't even feel comfortable captaining him. Like, this week, I planned to golf fest, play golf fest, but I couldn't. Yeah. Because I knew that West Brom there was a high chance those players weren't going to play. So um, I think you've got to look again, rid of them. Although yeah. there's a high chance you could get punished. Yeah, I mean, bizarrely, particularly after his goal, I was I was actually really keen to get rid of Phillips for my away days. Obviously, it's worked out for me in the end with him getting starting and getting the goal, but I was very keen to get rid, but that would have taken me to a minus eight, which I didn't really want to do. I wanted to try and make as much as possible of the away days, and I thought, you know, it was it was sort of a lot to take out there. Um, and obviously, we've seen with some of them that they can have an impact off the bench. Um, somehow, Diangana keeps starting, so maybe maybe go with him but I also think he's the most likely to be hooked early and he hasn't really been returning so it's like you're probably still better having Robinson even if he only plays half an hour than Diangana um, I wouldn't advise anyone to buy um, I think particularly because of the price difference if someone likes me is like me and has got Phillips it's a different question you're holding it a 7.5 value that's different you can you know you can sort of make that work a little bit you can sell if you want but that's that's different you can sort of take the rough with the smooth a bit more at that price like say with robinson i'd probably leave it at least give it the next game but i think there's only so long you should be holding him at this point yeah um we'll go on to fpl commander's question at commander fpl it's i think about three parts um so he says, is Adebayo a player for keeps long term? Also, should I transfer out Robinson or Grant of West Brom and get Fulham Wilson instead, as those two were very expensive to keep in my side without any real returns to since getting them four game weeks ago? Um, so I guess we'll we'll cut off sort of the latter part of that question with Robinson or Grant. We've said, yes, sell. And I think if you don't have Harry Wilson, particularly if we're talking Callum Robinson, Callum Robinson to Harry Wilson feels like a very obvious transfer to me. Um, but the interesting part when I saw this question was the first part. So I'll ask you, <laughs> is Adebayo a player for keeps long term? He's six million. So he's got three goals this season. So he's probably about average. But the problem is you've got Gore, Carez, Thomas, Anthony, like, 
Um, I still believe Adebayo is going to get 10 to 15 goals this season. And I think he's only missed one game and he was ill. Yeah. Um, so he, he is first choice, but you can't guarantee what games he's going to score in. Yeah. Um, and he is still quite raw, but I, I just I just think there's better options. Than yeah, yeah, but well, I think if you, if you're there or going to go there, yeah. keep him like, and you're gonna, it's almost gonna average out, but you're gonna have to take sort of the the low the low scores with the higher ones. I think. Yeah, like for weeks he's probably only got a couple of points, and yeah. then he's got double figures, and he could have got over twenty. Yeah, on one on one and got an assist, so it's just going to be unpredictable, pretty much like Lou and I. Although, as I said at the start, we are the third best team for XG and big chances created. So you'd you'd like to think if we get our better players playing with Adebayo up front, we'll start scoring more. But it's just too many options to go there. Yeah. Um, so we've got a couple of questions on the boosts. Um, so I'll go with John Jacobson's question first. Um, he's, he has said, Goalfest and multi-captain, has one or the other got more potential to score higher? Uh, so, Dan, what do you think on that one? For me, uh, this is Goalfest. Uh, it's, it's comfortably by the mile. I think... It, um, I think Joel done a really good video of this. So yes. Um, Early in the out, season. Yeah, he worked out roughly um, how much each would make. And I think what you got to remember with multi-captain, if I get it correct, is you only get, is it double for... Double double for all three. So double for, yeah. normal double for your captain, double for vice, double for emergency. So you're basically only getting one point. Yeah. times better whereas it goal fest is a risk but yeah. if you get five or six goals it's, it's five points per goal and that includes your bench players as well so it's i would say it's comfortably goal yeah i mean for me in terms of the best boost particular i've ended up having to play the overhaul but if you're not playing the overhaul I would probably look at something like, I mean, away days is the obvious one. And my original thought was park the bus and golf fest. I don't, I don't hate the people as in, I don't hate the idea of the people who've, who've managed to make the most of something like Jeepers keepers. But for me, I would probably say park the bus and golf fest. So in this case, when it's golf fest or multi-captain, I would say golf fest, like you say, I think you're not gaining enough from multi-captain. Um, you know, if you get three players that hit, that's great, but I don't think you're gaining enough over what you would normally get, particularly compared to what you could get from something like, particularly if you're asking like upside potential, potential score higher is golf fest for me. You know, I, I had a golf fest last year where I hit something like eight or nine goals, which was obviously massive, but like, you know, you hit, you hit four or five and you've basically covered off what you would get in, in multi-captain which is the big thing for me you don't have to get that many goals from your whole squad to to get to cover off multi-captain in this particular sort of situation um but the last question we've got is from sean linus at sean linus 24 he said he's been pl uh, trying to plan boosts for eight weeks but due to injuries he hasn't used any yet what three boosts can i use or should i use 
and when should I use them in the remaining seven weeks? Um, he's tweeted as his lineup um, as well as a follow-up. Um, so the, I guess the headlines, the starting lineup is more uh, from Coventry, Toffolo, Collan, Furlong, Townsend, Carvalho, Swift, Robinson, Mitrovic, Brereton, Diaz, Solanke. He has Phillips from Cardiff, McNair, Willock and Ward. Uh, but I think also it's worth sort of, we can answer it a bit more generally, but in terms of, we've talked, I guess, about some of the better boosts. I think the big, the big thing for me, as we've said all along, you have to play away days. You have to find best time to play away days. I think now we're probably looking at game week 11 um, as that is when both West Brom and Fulham are away. Um, although I would, I, um, I, while I'm, Double checking a couple of things, Dan. I don't know if you have any thoughts on this in terms of the best times to use the boosts. Um, so I'd just like to say that I would probably plan the boosts. Make sure you get away days set in because because it's basically double whatever your points you get. That's the one with the massive upside if you hit. Um, It's really hard. I, I know I'm planning to use Goldfest in 14. Um, I think we've got some really good fixtures in 14. Yeah. Um, you've got Blackburn against Reading. Uh, you've got Fulham against Forest. You've got Coventry against Derby. Um, you've got uh, West Brom against Bristol City. Reading against Blackburn. Uh, so I think you've got a nice for gold fest. That's where I'm going now. Um, away days is really tricky. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I try and get Bournemouth involved in away days now. I think they might be the team to think about. Yeah. So, so what part of what I was looking at when I asked you to fill time was whether there's a week before game week 15 where both Bournemouth and Fulham play away in the same week. Unfortunately, it doesn't exist. <laughs> um, um, but Bournemouth, I think, like you said, I think Bournemouth are, are a good one to look at. Um, so looking ahead, something like game week 12, where they have Bristol City away. We know Bristol City's issues at home. Problem is, I don't know who you would pair them with. Um, maybe someone like Coventry. Um, Luton potentially but you know it's a lot of the teams like Peterborough and Hull that are playing away that week um, they do play Peterborough away in 10 where you have Coventry at Luton you have I mean Forest at Barnsley you have Reading at Derby you have Sheffield United at Middlesbrough Stoke at Preston so possibly that game week 10 could be a good one or like I say if you really want to do the sort of um maximize Fulham and West Brom at the same time they're obviously both playing away in game week 11 um I think Sean did have the double defense which makes West including West Brom a bit more viable at this point um so I would possibly look at 11 for that um particularly if you've got if you've got the double West Brom defense that immediately also leans me towards potentially finding a week to play park the bus um but I would probably say, unless you need to overhaul, which looking at your team, I don't think you do. Um, I'd probably try and find the best weeks personally for away days, park the bus and goal fest. And I think 
away days, particularly with us talking about the teams like Bournemouth potentially being the better option at this point. If you can get yourself some Bournemouth ahead of game week 10, pair them up with possibly Sheffield United, Stoke, um, that could work. Otherwise, game week 11 with West Brom and Fulham both away. Yes, it looks like maybe he's left it a bit late, but as he yeah. said, he was doing transfers. But I tell you, if he's got a good rank and he's got three boosts back, <laughs> yeah. it doesn't really matter how bad they push. Yeah, um, I mean, looking at West Brom, and he's he's got West Brom, he's got Swift, he's got Solanke, so um, you're covered, particularly if you want to go like game week 10 or 11 like, I, um, I wouldn't overhaul he seems like he's got most no he's he, he's got he's certainly got a good enough squad so i think yeah looking at something like 10 or 11 depending on how aggressive you want to be for your away days and then i'd probably find what you identify as the best weeks to play um golf fest and park the bus um just looking as well Another option is maybe a, a decent find a decent week for Jeepers Keepers, given that he's got Phillips and more. Um, just looking at something like in game week 12, Cardiff play Swansea and Coventry play Blackburn. Or game week 14, Cardiff play Middlesbrough and Coventry play Derby. So you could use cheapest keepers there, but that's a good week at the goal fest. Yes, well. yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the that's the thing where it's finding the balance. But I think cheapest keepers if you really want to go there. But I think ideally it would be away days, park the bus and goal fest. Um, if anyone else has any questions about their boosts, you know, we're not necessarily the best people to come come to. I mean, I know I've just had a good week with it, but you know, I. I okay. That would ask me. Yeah, <laughs> I was forced into an overhaul because my plans went awry. So um, we can we can tell you how to adjust to <laughs> in situations. Um, but if you really want to come and ask us, you know, you can find us on Twitter. We will do our best to answer any questions you have about boosts, about good weeks, about bad weeks, about sort of, you know what looks good. It won't necessarily work out. We've seen, um, you know the people with the way days in game week five things like that that it doesn't necessarily work out but we can tell you what looks good on paper um but just find what works best for your team uh obviously sean there you know some there are other people out there who still have all three boosts in hand i mean you know have fun with it but this is your chance to really sort of attack it and um, give it a good go so you know work out what works best for you but like I say, we can try and sort of help you and give you advice as much as possible. Um, but I think that's everything. Um, so we're, we'll sign off now. Um, obviously, you know, I've enjoyed it. Hopefully Jamie should be back uh, next week. He'll be back with the extra time pod on Thursday as well. I don't know what that's going to be on, but um, that will, I'm sure, become clearer in the week. And he'll tweet that out and tell you, and then he'll be back with us next week. But um, Dan, thanks for sort of being here this week, actually actually showing up. <laughs> I'm, I'm just looking forward to get more than 35 points. That's my ambition for next week. I, I, I'd like to say I'm fairly confident that will happen. I mean, you know, 
it feels like such a freakish occurrence, but we'll, we'll see what turns up next week. Um, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, we'll speak to you next week. Uh, bye. <laughs>